Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Finding My Voice and this, my friends, is going to be a doozy. Uh, I'm going to answer the question of a friend of mine uh, that said there was something that she would find helpful for me to talk about and uh, that's uh, not a bad idea. I realized I might have sounded a little bit British there. That was not intentional. Um, I am trying out, uh, for the first time in a long time, a, Br a British accent for one of my role-playing characters. I, I usually stay away from playing with accents uh, because I don't think it's needed. And I think it kind of detracts from the character work if you're constantly thinking about how you're speaking. But I'm going to give it a shot, see, see how it turns out. But that's not what I'm talking about today. Um... I will talk about two things. First of all, the friend asked me to explain um, what it means for gender to be a social construct and how that translates into being transgender. That's an enormous question. And I'm not going to do like a three-hour rant. I'm going to talk about it in general just, just to give you a helpful look if you're outside, if you're cis and you don't really see it. You don't have to understand it all. But it, it helps to think about it a certain way. You have to be realize you have to realize that there are things outside your scope. And if you're listening to me, you probably already know that. Um, so I'm gonna talk about that a quickie. And then I am going to talk about an issue that has shook the role-playing world to its core recently. And I will give you my two cents. Uh, I will talk about the doom and gloom that the society is experiencing, and I'm going to impart my words of hope. Anyway, uh, gender roles and such. Uh, when you talk about, uh, you know, the whole um, Judith Butler thing of, of gender as social construct, people tend to misunderstand it. Both people who speak for it and against it. People who speak against gender as a social construct, they think uh, that the phrase speaks against biology and the kind of body a person is born with. It's not. Um, because... Uh, I will get to that. But then there's also the other side that says there's no truth to to biology in gender. And well, that's kind of true, but you need to understand what you're talking about. Um, I've heard people say that since gender is a social construct, if we just dissolve gender roles, we would have no trans people. That's not true. Um, I know, I've heard people say that yeah, I want to believe trans people, but I also believe sex is real. Uh, trust me, trans people know sex is real. For some reason, it became a popular thing to believe that trans people are against the idea of biological sex, and we are absolutely not. If anybody's aware of biological sex, it's the people that are constantly tormented by it. Trust me, Jesus. It's like it's like saying, I wonder if fish knows water is real. I'm pretty sure fish knows what water is. Anyway, um, okay, um, gender as a social construct, right? Because um, what is even gender, to be honest? Um, different people look different, and we have what we think of male and what we think of female, and now we know of non-binary people. We have intersex people, who are people with both male and female sexual characteristics. Words are fun. And, um, um... For some reason, even though we know it's a big spectrum now, we still insist on keeping these two boxes. And when we look at it even closer, we'll find out that there are a lot more intersex and non-binary people than we first realized because there are smaller um, uh, like variables that make up a person 
uh, that can be from either side of the gender spectrum, of, of the gender binary that we've built. And uh, you can have s- several feminine attributes, but the ones that count to a certain cu- culture looks more male, and then you think that's a guy. Um, because that's what they, they decide that these attributes are the most male ones, and those other ones are the most female ones. But the truth of the matter is, a human being is immensely complex. It's never that simple. There are so many parts to a person, both both physical and mental. And remember, mental things are, you know, extensions of the brain. The brain is a physical thing. So just because something's mental doesn't mean it's not physically real. You have to realize that. And uh, you can have things that would correspond to traditional, uh, the traditionally female part of the spectrum in a, in a body that that otherwise looks like what you would consider to be on the male side of the spectrum. And there are so many combinations of this. You, like, for instance, um, if you're good at cooking, it's generally seen as a female trait. Unless you do it professionally, then it's a male trait. So some things work differently in different combinations. But, but a woman can be good at fixing cars, but still be considered feminine for other reasons, and it's all a bit arbitrary. But still, we insist on having these two boxes. And if you don't feel like you fit in any of them, well, tough. You're going to have to squeeze into one. And we start early. Like, like even, even little babies, we say, hey, boys and girls. And then we obviously have this kind of mindset that when you say, and girls, you mean the ones with the dolls. And then boys, you mean the ones with the cars. And you always divide them up like this mentally. Like, not every one of you is going to do that. And people who listen to me are probably a little more on the progressive side. But you know this is happening, right? You absolutely know this. Uh, you know people say, hey, uh, hey, girls, when they talk, when they enter a room where they think there are mostly people they think of as girls, whether or not they actually are, they haven't checked. And they could be non-binary, but you still have to squeeze them into this box. Uh, and so gender as a social construct is that we have decided as a society long ago that we want it really simple. We have these two things that I'm used to, and everybody has to be one of these. And if they're not, they have to pretend to be, for my comfort. Uh, And that's just not fair. (laughs) There are so many different ways to be human, and they should all be acknowledged, and they are all valid. And we need to stop this nonsense. And that's that's the social construct of gender. This, well, if you are a man, if you are what I consider a man, you have to correspond to these attributes. There are a few variations I will allow, but you have to fit my view of what a man is. Otherwise, I just won't accept you. And that is absolutely awful. There are many different ways of being a human, and each and every one of them is valid. So, yes, we need to abolish that. But it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter to the existence of trans people. Trans people would still exist. We... I mean, it would be easier for us if people didn't put unfair expectations on us passing and things like that. So abolishing gender roles, that's great. We should do that. It would be good for men. It would be good for women. It would be good for anything in between and outside of the spectrum. That's great. But trans people would still exist. I would still have my physical dysphoria and I would still need to do something about that. Um, so gender identity is who you are. And as far as we understand it, you're born with this. You come with it from the box. 
as your identity, unless you are gender fluid. And it's more about finding yourself than deciding who you are. Then there's, of course, gender roles and gender expression. Now, these are a little bit more flexible. Gender expression just means how you express the gender you are. And this is colored by your upbringing and the media around you and the culture you live in. And then there's the next step, gender roles, which is the type of gender expression that is expected by you. Um, you're expected to conform to. So gender roles is really the worst one. Gender expression is fine. Express yourself however you want. And if you express your femininity different from anybody else, that is absolutely fine. We need a world with great variation. But um, nobody should ever be expected or demanded to follow a certain stereotype. Uh, people talk about negative gender stereotypes, and yes, they are terrible. Like, for instance, um, uh, the whole 50s thing of stay-at-home moms. Uh, everyone who's able to bear children should be considered a woman and stay at home, and she should have a husband who considers himself a, a man, and and that person should... You know, all this, all this nonsense. Like, what I want to be make clear here is that that constellation is nothing negative in and of itself. If you have a family that's, uh, that's constructed this way and you're happy with that, this is the life you want, then, then you have all my blessings. That's wonderful that you have found the life you want and it's absolutely valid. The problem is when it becomes a norm and it becomes ex expected of people. Like, if you are able to bear children, then you absolutely should, and if you don't, then there's something wrong with you. And, and people with the ability to bear children are somehow expected to want it, and if, if, they, if they don't want it, then they are wrong. And that's terrible. You're just taking people's autonomy away from them. That's just super awful. So yes, gender roles out the window. They are completely social construct. We don't need them, and they're destructive. Gender expression, also a social construct, but it's fine, as long as it's, you know, individual. People can do what they want with it. Gender identity, that's who you are. You don't have a say in that. You just find yourself, and you make the best of it. And looking at other people, when they have found themselves, support them, please. Just, just don't be terrible, you know? We all have one life. And once we find who we are, we should be able to express who we are freely and be accepted by others. Like, why would you center your life around ruining someone else's life, someone who's done nothing to you? Just, you know, stop. Just stop, if that's what you're doing. Okay, um, I hope that was, that was helpful. Um, I could talk for about this for hours, but I will not. It will take too long. And uh, you know who you are, if you, you who asked for this. Um, Keep asking questions if, if, if there was something you felt I left out. Great. Now on to role-playing news. Well, it's not news if you are into role-playing. This, this has been a source of outrage for a while now, and it's gotten worse lately. Uh, Wizards of the Coast, owned by Hasbro, is a company that produces Dungeons & Dragons, which is the most popular role-playing game in the world, and has been for a very long time. Uh, they are so big that a lot of role-players even kind of consider it to be the only role-playing game out there, and I don't. I play a lot of other games, and I prefer a lot of the games. I play Dungeons & Dragons 2, uh, mainly because I have friends who do, and I love those friends, and I play with them, and we have a lot of fun together. 
But me personally, I have a lot of other systems I like more. Well, what's happened lately is that the people who own the franchise have realized that they could be making more money than they do. Because um, right now, they only charge Game Masters pretty much, because the players uh, all get to use the Game Masters resources. And uh, they are also they also feel like they're too liberal with third-party content, because right now, uh, other creators can create adventures and amendments and additions and expansions for the core Dungeons & Dragons rules. And you can even make other games that use their open game license as an extension of Dungeons & Dragons or more worlds. And it has, be, it has give, given way for to a wonderful, big community of creative people just just enriching the hobby and it's been great actually that's one of the things i respect the most about Dungeons and dragons even though i don't actually like the game at its core on its own there are so many things about it i admire but now they have gone cooperate and now they think they need to make money out of everything and third-party creators aren't going to be as free as they have uh they're gonna have to start pay paying royalties uh to a bigger degree than before uh, Wizards of the Coast now consider themselves the owner of everything you create under the open game license, um, making it much less viable to create third-party content. They are, in, in, in trying to monetize their franchise more, they are, um, they are suffocating the thing that made the franchise great in the first place, and their fans are freaking out. They are angry, and they should be. Um, the thing, the place where they started their hobby and nurtured them for, for so long, and you know me, if you've listened to this, to me, um, to, to my podcast, you know that role-playing games has meant a lot to me personally. It's shaped my entire life and made it better in so many ways. And I feel really sad for people who are in the same situation as me, except they, they grew up with Dungeons and Dragons, and now they feel the thing that 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 imbued their life with su such rich development is being threatened. And I feel really sad for them. It's horrible. And it's not only that. They're, they're trying to monetize other things as well, um, moving the game more and more digital, um, microtransactions for, for uh, character aspects and things like that. It, it all seems kind of horrible. Like, small things could seem innocent at, uh, innocent at first, but it's, it's growing real cold, and I think the biggest threat is the open game license thing, where, where they're suffocating the creative spirit of the people in this hobby. But I will... Friends, don't worry. The hobby was here before all this started happening, and it will be here after. I know Dungeons & Dragons means a lot to you, but it's not the only game out there. You will be able to find so much more if you just look. And all of the other games have great communities that will welcome you. Many games uh, let others create third-party content. No problem. And I think this could be a positive experience. You've just had, you've only had Dungeons and Dragons, but you open your door and leave this crumbling house you'll see that you're in an entire world of many wonderful houses. And you can try each and every one of them.
So really, Dungeons and Dragons crumbling could be the best thing that ever happened to you. You can see more things. You can experience more worlds and more systems. And you know what? Even if you don't want more systems, just look at what has happened in your community. So many things banded together to fight this thing. And even if they fail, even if Wizards of the Coast keep burning their own franchise to the ground in the name of greed, until there's nothing left, what do you have left? You have your creativity, you have your friends, and you have the community. This whole thing centers around the community's ability and creativity to make third-party content around the, the rule set and the framework of Dungeons and & Dragons. And there are so many great designers and mathematicians and programmers and, and, and writers and everything. Why not just create your own open-source, free role-playing game that's completely separate from Dungeons & Dragons, but still fills the criteria you know and love, but but a big um, toy cooperation doesn't control. It's completely run by the fans that love it, and anyone can create third-party content. And how successful it is depends on how good it is and how much you love it. Oh my gosh. I mean... I'm not afraid of D&D collapsing because I have my other games. I have Vestmark, I have Simba Room, I have Tales from the Loop, I have Vampire, I have Vasen. I'll be absolutely fine. But if if the D&D community bands together and creates their own alternative to D&D, uh, showing Wizards of the Coast that the power was when the players all along and when the, when the Wizards of the Coast tried to take it away from them, they ended up losing... The players. And without the players, they are nothing. Without you, they are nothing. And when you have your own system and they change their mind and want to and beg you to come back, you might not want to. This new system that you've created together could be so much better and so much more wonderful. I want to see that for you. And once you've done made that system, I want to join. I want to check it out. <laughs> and if you want to check out the games I play, just give me a holler. I, I'm be glad to help you in because... Oh gosh, Simba Room, it's such a wonderful, wonderful game. Oh gosh. Uh, so, yes. It's Doom and Gloom, and I understand. It's scary and terrible because you love your game. And what Wizards of the Coast is doing is scary. I think they'll settle down. I think your efforts will bear fruit. They will realize they're pissing off too many people and they could lose customers. But even if they don't, even if they burn themselves to the ground, you have the power. It's yours. It was never about them. It was always, always about the players. And you know what? That is exactly how D&D started in the first place. Role-playing started in someone's garage. And if everything else blows up, it can go back to a garage. Because you know what? That's where it belongs. That's where it's great. I played role-playing games in the 90s before, uh, before it ever utilized any digital uh, media. And I loved it then, and I love it now. I'm not threatened by this. Neither should you be. And, you know, as long as they don't break into your home and steal your books, you're fine. Even if you don't have D&D Beyond anymore, you can use Discord or any other chat system. And, I mean, why not just Google Docs? for the rule sets in your character sheets. That's fine, it's still wonderful. Because what matters is you and your interactions and your friendship and your creativity. That's what the core is, that's what makes it fun. 
any rule system can help you do that. And if you do your own, then you have what the, exactly the thing you want. And uh, I will end this episode with a sonnet I wrote specifically for you, if you are the person uh, who needed to hear what I just said. O oh friend, O oh fellow traveler of plains, I see the tears of anger on thy face. The magic, like the love you felt, it wanes. The home you've always known is set ablaze. But please, dear sister, still thy worried heart. And brother, won't thou listen to these words? Thy first steps long ago, a wondrous start. But why stay down? We could fly free as birds. A warming fire, roof above thy head, felt safe, of course, to stay out of the rain. But what if we slept under stars instead? In comfort thou hast grown to love thy chain. The wizards of the coast will come to see. The power that they crave, it rests with thee. Stay strong, friends. It's dark right now, but the dawn will come. You're still role players, and that makes every world better. I love you. Goodbye.